It is Friday, August 21st, 2020, and you are listening to the Federalist Forum, a constitutional think tank for every patriotic American. Today on the Federalist Forum, I'm going to talk about the cages Obama built, the worst Congress in the history of the United States, and the apex of division we've reached in America. That and more coming up next on the Federalist Forum. Good morning. I am your host, Tom, and thank you for tuning in to the Federalist Forum, a podcast that's become a popular resource for conservative truth and activism, a podcast where we dismember the leftist agenda and recalibrate their confirmation bias into the real truth of what's happening. And so this week we listened to Michelle Obama ramble on again about Trump putting kids in cages. Trump used facilities that were built during the Obama-Biden administration to house children at the border. They are chain-link enclosures inside of border facilities where migrants are temporarily housed and separated by sex and age. They aren't cages, but despite whatever label you want to give them, they were built by the Obama-Biden administration, and more importantly, the policy of holding and processing children in them was started under the Obama-Biden administration. At the height of the controversy over Trump's zero-tolerance policy at the border, photos that circulated online of children in these enclosures generated great anger that was renewed this week by Michelle Obama. But those photos by the Associated Press were taken in 2014 and depicted some of the thousands of unaccompanied children held by President Barack Obama. The Obama administration failed to protect thousands of Central American children who flooded across the U.S. border, leaving them vulnerable to traffickers and to abuses at the hands of government-approved caretakers. The fact is, the Obama-Biden administration didn't keep immigrant children safe. They put countless kids in the hands of sex traffickers. The Trump administration, however, has been aggressively trying to protect immigrant kids from the same problems. In fact, there's a Washington Post article, the WAPO, one of the most liberal-leaning publications out there. A Washington Post article from January 28, 2016, entitled, Obama Administration Placed Children with Human Traffickers. Uh, The Office of Refugee Resettlement under Obama and Biden an agency of the Department of Health and Human Services failed to do proper background checks of adults who claimed the children. They allowed sponsors to take custody of multiple unrelated children and regularly placed children in homes without visiting those locations. And that was according to a 56-page Senate report. Health and Human Services placed children with individuals whom it knew relatively little about and without verifying the limited information provided by the sponsors about their alleged relationship with their children. For example, one Guatemalan boy who planned to live with his uncle in Virginia. But when the uncle refused to take the boy, he ended up with another sponsor who forced him to work nearly 12 hours a day to repay more than $10,000 in smuggling debt he had. Another boy from El Salvador was released to his father even though he told caseworkers that his father had a history of beating him, including hitting him with an electrical cord. That boy later that year alerted authorities that his father was forcing him to work for little or no pay. And a service worker on behalf of the government found the boy was being kept in a basement and given very little food. These are just two examples of thousands. And this one will get you. Former uh, Obama official Cecilia Munoz, who served as director of uh, White House Domestic Policy Council, has since confirmed that Obama caged children. In fact, in an interview she did with NPR, she admitted there are still over 1,400 kids missing and unaccounted for from the Obama era of detention. She said that they saw an enormous spike compared to what usually happens of kids crossing into the United States, and they didn't have enough shelter facilities. Because of the huge increase, kids ended up piling up in Border Patrol lockups. 
And she said what the Obama and Biden administration did, which is what the law required, was to find them shelter facilities, which they were put together by the Department of Health and Human Services. And the goal was to get them out of those facilities and into another uh, division of HHS as soon as they could. Uh, but she's not the only one. Former President Barack Obama's top immigration chief in charge of removing illegal immigrants said that the cages Democrats have accused President Trump of housing children in were the brainchild of the Obama administration. Thomas Homan, who was Obama's executive associate director of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement for nearly four years, admitted that the facility was built under Obama and under Obama's Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson. And he went on to say that he was there when the facilities were built. You know, at an immigration conf, uh, conference, Holman said that, you know, he was being considered for a position of, uh, I, I believe it was borders are under the Trump administration. And he grew visibly anger about questions of cages that are often cited by Democratic critics of the president. And Holman, who also ran Obama's deportation operations, said, you know, the kids are being housed in the same facilities built under the Obama administration. If you want to call them cages, call them cages. But if the left wants to call them cages, and the Democrats want to call them cages, then they have to accept the fact that they were built and funded in fiscal year 2015 by Barack Obama. Uh, said that these detention city, uh, centers were not built to take care of children. In fact, the surges of younger illegal, illegal immigrants was a relatively new trend since 2011. And Holman went on to say that there are no cages but chain-link fencing that separates kids from adults done for safety. So the chain-link dividers keeps children separated from unrelated adults. It's about protecting them. You know, one other point to this is that in, in Holman's speech, he had uh, highlighted the fact that Congress has not adequately funded health and human services. And the humanitarian aid bills that have worked through the House of Representatives amounted to extortion because it cut funding for border enforcement so basically if trump wanted better facilities for migrants than the ones that obama built he had to defund the border patrol and that's absolutely extortion we don't hear about that all you know of course it doesn't play into their narratives but if he wanted better facilities he would have to cut the enforcement at the border it's just insane folks this stuff is all out there the internet forgets nothing no matter how Badly, big tech tries to censor or manipulate data these days. It's out there. Our attention spans have become so shortened by the over-sensationalism of media hypes, and the left knows that, that they count on us forgetting the facts of the past. That's part of why they're always trying to erase history. Let's face it, conservatives have been cleaning up after Democrats since the Civil War, and the left knows that. And real quick, back to the point of deportations. Between 2001 and 2008, during the presidency of George Bush, about 2 million people were deported. During the eight years of President Obama, between 2009 and 2016, more than 3.2 million were deported. Now, in fiscal year 2018, the most, most recent year for which we have complete data under the Trump administration, um, the Customs and Border Patrol and ICE together carried about 330 deportations out. So, well below. Current removals are well below the levels recorded during much of the Obama administration, including a three-year period between 2012 and 2014, when there were more than 400,000 people deported every year. Okay, moving along now, I tell you, this stuff burns me. It absolutely boils my blood when these chuckleheads on the left get out there and play victim of their own failures. They, inst they institute these emotionally impulsive and short-sighted policies that lack foresight 
or a sustainable plan. And then when they fall apart and fail, they blame it on the new guy who's trying to clean up their mess. They've done nothing. They've done nothing. It's it, and, and they've done this. They've played this game with everything that, that happens. Look at how badly the military was gutted under Obama. And Trump had to fight the left's obstruction to fix it. Look at ISIS and how inflamed that became under Obama. Remember it seeming almost daily that new stories would emerge of people being beheaded or burned alive or stoned to death by them? Remember the American journalists and aid workers or the Jordanian pilot set on fire inside of a cage? Remember that terrifying image or the video? Even worse, if, like me, you watched it. Remember criminal justice reform? Who finally got that pushed through? Trump. Imagine what this country could have accomplished in the last few years if these petulant toddlers on the left would have simply done their job instead of throwing tantrums and lying to America as they wasted taxpayer money on giving themselves pay raises or taking trips to Puerto Rico while the rest of the government was economically shut down because the do-nothing Democrats couldn't figure out a budget. Remember the Me Too movement in 2017 that eventually led to that unjust and unwarranted and completely false accusations and horrendous attack on Justice Kavanaugh? The same Me Too movement that the left is completely silent on when it comes to Joe Biden's accusers? What happened to Believe All Women? Remember the Mueller investigation that went on for years and wasted tens of millions of our tax dollars only to report that the only collusion involving Russia to be found was on behalf of the Clinton campaign? An investigation that we'd later find out was rife with bad information from a fraudulent FBI investigation to start with? Remember Otto Warmbier, who Obama let suffer and tortured in a North Korean prison before Trump finally negotiated his release? Sadly, Otto would pass soon after returning to the United States from his injuries and illness from the extensive time being detained in North Korea while Obama did nothing about it. Remember the rapidly escalating opioid, opioid crisis that went unchecked you know, by the Obama administration and finally received some tangible mitigation by Trump? It's still a problem. It always will be for some. But how often do you hear about it anymore? Remember horse-faced Stormy Daniels and her bald midget friend Michael Avenatti? Daniels would have her defamation case against Trump dismissed and Avenatti is now facing, what, 300 years in prison for extorting Nike and handicapped clients he stole from? It's gross. Remember how Trump expedited disaster relief following massive wildfires in California and forests that California's Democrat politicians had mismanaged and neglected for years? Remember when the Democrats were all bent up about North Korea? And Trump became the first president ever to cross the DMC and step, step foot in North Korea. Remember Jussie Smollett, or Juicy, if you'd like to call him, <laughs> uh, and how politicians and celebrity activists like Kamala Harris and Alyssa Milano were so quick to call out disgust for such a hateful act of racism, but then never walked back their thoughts or comments even after the truth came out that it was a hoax he perpetrated himself? Remember names like Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein and... Bill Cosby finally being held to account for their crimes? Remember the Ukraine hoax? Were indisputable evidence of Biden on tape? Um, not Trump bribing Ukraine, all for the benefit of his own son? Remember the phony and disgusting impeachment that followed? Just nasty. Remember 2018 when Iranian General Soleimani posted pictures on his Instagram account of him standing in front of a burning White House? Remember how he attacked U.S. troops and murdered or raped hundreds of thousands around the Middle East before Trump ended his miserable life? And then the Democrats, the sick, disgusting, treasonous Democrats, wept 
with the Iranians and blasted Trump for killing a terrorist who was also on the list of wanted men under Obama. Democrats renewed their insensitivity toward those killed in Benghazi under the heinous failures of the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton's State Department. With every protest that they organized against the killing of a monster who sought to destroy the U.S., Democrats arrogantly and irresponsibly showcased their hatred for our constitutional ideals and the American way of life. They are, in fact, giving aid and comfort to the enemy, the very language used in Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution to define treason. Well, imagine being so far removed from reality and reason that you take to the streets in tears, dressed as a polyester vulva, to emote disdain that restrooms have a men's or women's designation, but you swore an empath of allegiance for a man who had raped and slaughtered hundreds of thousands of people, including your own fellow Americans. Acute mental illness doesn't even begin to describe the type of antisocial and outrageously manic behavior that is being displayed by liberals in Congress, the media, Hollywood, and on the streets of America. These short-sighted imps protesting the man of a, you know, the killing of a man who subjugated, tortured, and killed hundreds of thousands of women is pathetic and irreversibly embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves, yet they scream pride for their own hypocrisy and intellectual inferiority. You know, there is an eternal mark of shame on the 116th Congress. Pelosi, Schumer, Ocasio-Cortez, Omar, uh, Tlaib, Nadler, Schiff, Swalwell, Abrams, just a few of the names that will go down in history as some of the most dysfunctional, deceitful, counterproductive, and shameless group of lawmakers in the history of the United States Congress. They are filthy skid marks on the underwear of society. Uh, where's the vodka? Someone get me a Tito's and lemonade. Good grief. This stuff gives you a headache. You know, when I do, I spend so much time researching things because I want to be sure that what I'm sharing with you um, is not just one-sided. I cross-reference multiple sources, and I work so hard to look for sources that are the left's sources generally because there is nothing better than using their own information against them. You know, we have to remember the things I've mentioned today. We have to remember the ways in which the left has continued to shift the narrative and come up with new misinformation schemes to try and take this country down. We have to remember all the amazing things that Trump has accomplished despite having no help from Congress. Some of the items above are only a small, you know, sliver of his accomplishments, the things that I just mentioned. You know, America is under siege, not only by anarchists coordinating attacks of domestic terrorism like those in Portland, but also by intellectually crippled hacks like those in the liberal media who call themselves journalists. It is imperative for those who still value the premise of our U.S. Constitution to fight hard on both fronts. We need to restore law and order to our streets while also restoring long-lost integrity to American journalism. That's where it becomes critically important to recall the facts of the last four years and the painful facts of the eight years prior under the most divisive president in history, Barack Hussein Obama. And it's not just our politics on a national scene. Trump has stepped in where city and state governments are failing to uphold their oaths and act in good faith towards their citizens. The secondary effects of Trump's well-thought and well-executed policies are even benefiting cities that have suffered under Democratic leadership for decades. And Trump administration is driving positive results for large cities the same way he's doing it for the country, despite the efforts of Democrats to demonize and otherwise cast dispersions on the president's policies, character, and intentions. One direct influencer is the, is the commitment of law enforcement to engage in proactive community-based policing after years of being torn down by the Obama administration, you know, in his 
in particular his impotent AG Eric Holder, who spent years victimizing criminals while criminalizing cops. Now, aside from the handful of Democrat-led cities whose leaders are vilifying police officers, law enforcement has finally had a leader in the White House who supports them. Now they have to fight with so many corrupt city leaders who have turned their backs on these officers and the communities, unfortunately. The Trump tax cuts, another way, which you know Democrats dishonestly pontificated helped only the rich, had an enormous impact on lowering poverty levels in large cities across America. And it's not just more tangible cash in the pockets of families, it's the secondary impact that the additional spending has on goods and services available to those areas that have otherwise been outcast and desolated under Democratic leadership for so long. Yes, the COVID-19 pandemic has put a dent in that, but that does not negate the fact that policies were working before a global pandemic hit us. You know, if, if they cannot have their way, uh, they will sacrifice everyone out of jealous spite. Their petulance is disgraceful, and what's more destructive is that they continue to infect young minds with their toxic and displaced selfish rage. That's precisely how we end up with demonstrably ignorant and childish, inept clowns like those in the squad. Individuals who have no argument that isn't prefaced by a label or false narrative that continues to be parroted by their intellectually negligent base. We've reached an apex of division in America that has exposed the unquestionably treasonous behavior of the Democratic Party. Those who continue to vote for and support these elected officials are fully complicit in treason against the Constitution and we the people. You know, in 1780, Major General Benedict Arnold succumbed to his empathy for the enemy and defected from his trusted service to the American colonies to fight for the British cause. This was not an instantaneous act, but rather a slow and constant progression of his loyalties from resolved colonial policies to instead favor the emotionally charged, reactionary, and desperate plight of the British in America. And many historians speculate that among the reasons for his defection was jealous, the jealousy he harbored um, for his fellow generals who had received promotions ahead of him following their battlefield accomplishments, which overshadowed, which overshadowed Arnold's accomplishments in the eyes of George Washington. And when you consider the ideals that drove Arnold to abandon America, uh, envy, insecurity, animosity, empathy for antagonists, and disregard for one's entrusted loyalties, it is not a stretch to liken those exact transgressions to modern-day Democratic leaders in Congress and big cities across America. And arguably worse, the way their insecurities are being perpetuated by their presidential candidate and his hypocritical vice presidential choice is equally as disgusting. What the Democrats have continued to underestimate with their spineless insecurities and their envy of Trump's accomplishments is the absolutely unwavering resolve of America's patriots. Their blind rage, their jealousy their passive ignorance, none of it will defeat the determination of Americans whose values are rooted in traditional goodwill and devotion to our founding principles. With every contemptuous attempt to dislodge our president's character and the will of the country's faithful citizens, Democrats are one step closer to bring their party and their hateful ideals to extinction. Americans will not allow themselves to be imprisoned by the ignorant and repugnant groupthink of radical liberalism. We've had enough, the gloves are off, and we're taking our country back. That is all I have for today. Uh, listen for me again next Tuesday. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. If you take a minute to share this with your friends, I'd be very grateful. Subscribe and leave me a review if you would be so kind. And feel free to follow and engage with me on Parlor at ExposingLibsBS or drop me an email at ExposingLiberalBS at gmail.com. Friends, it's time for all of us to passionately take action. And we the people, we have a proud history of doing just that.
You've been listening to the Federalist Forum. Thank you for your listenership and for your patriotism as we fight together to preserve the founding principles of our constitutional republic. Until next time, sapientia est potentia. Wisdom is power.